good day to be alive. We're excited today. God has given us life as we continue this series, 30 Sayings of the Wise. Just want to pull away for a second and just have a family talk with, our, with the family here. This week, uh, one of our own um, was in a horrific accident. Many of you are aware, have been praying, Jason Beenstra, he and his wife, Angela, attend here. And uh, we've been praying for his healing, been praying that God would do a miracle uh, in his life. And we're seeing some of those things already. Through his wife, uh, she let us know that one of Jason's favorite colors is green. And if you've come to know him, you've seen him wear that. He loves the Lord and he's a faithful servant here. He's in an induced coma right now. But a request was, some of you saw it on social media, uh, on our Facebook page, and that we, we ask you to wear green today uh, in support of Jason. And then, uh, and then we're going to take a picture of us so that when he does come to, that he would see a wave of green from, his, from those that know him and know, love him well. And so many of you got the report, and uh, you're wearing green today. Some of you are wearing green because you like Notre Dame, so you got green on today. But we would love to just take a moment, we're doing each of our services, uh, to, to take a photo, to place it on the page that's been set up for Jason, so that when he does come to, he'll see a wave of green to those his home church loves him. And uh, I'm going to do the, the second thing I've only done at Grace Community. I already took one selfie. I'm going to take another one. I took it in the first service, and we'll take one in the second. But I'm going to ask you, and I understand if you're not wearing green, you're still in support, and you're praying, and... Um, and maybe you didn't see the memo. That's, that's perfectly fine. That's, I, I, I understand all that. But if you have green on today, and you came and in support, and I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to take a selfie of me with you, and we're doing it in a link at the same time. But I want you to fill the owls, stand up, move your way into the owls across the front, and I'm going to take a picture of us uh, for Jason and his page. So... We can get full lights in the auditorium, not just on the stage, but in the whole auditorium. We are going to get... Is this awesome or what? Take a look at this, huh? (laughs) All right, let's everybody wave. Go ahead, let's wave to Jason. On the three, let's... Let's say, Jason, we love you. Ready? One, two, three. Jason, we love you. Now I'm going to get a video of you doing that, which is even better. I got to take it off myself. That's an ugly video there. <laughs> All righty. Just say, Jason, we love you. Ready? One, two, three. Go and wave. All right, one shot, one more, huh? All right, let's pray for him. Dear Lord, we thank you for our brother, and we thank you for our sister. Thank you for his family that's with us in this service today. I pray, God, that that the report that we're getting from the doctors would be turned, God, and that the report, we're going to believe that you are the great healer, and we're already seeing that. I pray, God, that you would amaze us with what you want to do in his body. I pray you'll protect his body from infection. I pray that you would be healing him. And I pray, God, that you would restore him to a measure of health that only you could do, God. I pray that you would touch him and bring complete healing, bring comfort to his wife and his family, and bring comfort to him. We commit Jason to you in the strong and mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. You may have a seat. Grab a seat. And grab your Bibles while you're doing that and turn to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 23. 
Proverbs chapter 23. All the Packer fans love the Green Day too. Proverbs chapter 23. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. But Proverbs chapter 23, and we're going to read verse 22 through Proverbs 24, verse 2. So turn to Proverbs 23 and look at verse 22, and then we'll read through chapter 24 and verse 2. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. But stand with me, and let's read this out loud together. Proverbs 23. Starting at verse 22 through chapter 24, verse 2. Let's read this. Ready? Read. Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. For an adulterous woman is a deep pit and a wayward wife is a narrow well. Like a bandit, she lies in wait and multiplies the unfaithful among men. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine and who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. Do not gaze at wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake. It poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights and your mind will imagine confusing things. You'll be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. When I I wake up so I can find another drink. Do not envy the wicked. Do not desire their company, for their hearts plot violence, and their lips talk about making trouble. You may have a seat. It is obvious that wisdom keeps us on the straight and narrow. It is obvious that wisdom lets us live a life that brings freedom and health and life and not destruction. It is obvious that these four sayings today If we don't apply the truth of wisdom to our lives, then we'll end up in destruction and insanity far, far away from God. And so he opens up this 17th saying today by saying, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the what? What's it say? Buy the what? Truth and do not sell it. I would say it this way. Seek truth at all costs. Find truth. When you find truth, biblical truth, don't throw it away. Don't sell it for anything. Don't give it up. Apply it to your life, and it gives you life. It keeps you on the straight and narrow path instead of the wayward path that the enemy wants you to walk on. You can't deny, after looking at this saying, you cannot read this saying about listening to your father and, and listening and do not despise your mother when she is old without throwing in one of the Ten Commandments at Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12 when it tells us to honor our mothers and our fathers. In fact, it says in that passage, if we do and when we do honor them, we'll live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor, listen, do not despise, equals, wisdom says, long life in the land 
that I'm giving you. And then in the New Testament, Paul even adds to that in Ephesians 6, 1 by saying, if we are fathers, our lives will go well and we can enjoy the life that God has given us. I find it interesting that it brings joy to the parents and we find joy when we honor and listen to our parents. It's a promise from God. Do this, then you get this. Just ask any child that has honored their mother and father and ask any child that hasn't how their life went when they didn't have seasons of doing what their parents wanted them to do. So the Bible says this, wisdom says, the quality and the quantity of your life will be affected and impacted by this saying and by one of the commandments. Not complaining your parents. It says to honor your mother and father. Not cursing your mother and father. Not ignoring your mother and father. Not making fun of your mother and father. Not talking about your mother and father in a disparaging way. Not wishing this or that on your mother and father. But listening and honoring them. Why? Because wisdom says you will live long and you will live well and you will stay on the straight and narrow and ultimately honor God. Incredible saying, powerful promise from God's word today. However, we must keep in mind, some of you might be saying, Pastor Jim, you don't know my parents. You don't know my upbringing. They gave me up. They gave me I don't know. But here's what I do know from this commandment. There must be a way to do this, no matter how painful or difficult your past has been. Otherwise, it would not be a commandment and include it in these 30 sayings. It must be possible to listen. It must be possible to honor. It must be Otherwise, God would not have asked us to do such a thing to obey him. It does not say to listen or honor them if they've been honorable, if they deserve it, if they treated you right. It just says to honor your parents, period. Very, very challenging for some. Very, very simple for others. So much to say about this, but here's what I know. You and I are in control of how we respond to the circumstances of our lives. You and I are in control of what we say, what we do. We're not in control of what others say and what others do. When we honor our parents, there will be less conflict inside of us. Just think about that for a second. There's this blessing that comes to this saying. Your parents find joy. You will enjoy life. God is lifted up. And there, you and I, the quality and the quantity of our lives will be impacted forever and ever. We've had these conversations with our kids. We talk about these things even as they were little. We went through this and said, not that we are going to crawl over you and beat on you for to honor us. But listen, Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah, and you could say this to your kids. When you honor your parents, listen, there's this incredible promise attached. So that when you're an adult, down the road, you will live well. So if you honor us the way God wants you to, your life will be different than some child that doesn't honor their mother and father. You are blessed as a result of it. We talked about this often. We talked about what it meant to honor 
And by the way, our kids have done a heroic, and I would use the heroic job of showing honor to my wife and I. And here's what I know. As a result of that, they will benefit down the road. It's one of the things I've tried hard my whole life is to honor my mother and my father and my stepfather. I have worked hard at lifting up their name and thanking God for them. Because I know that not only does it please them, but it pleases my father. And so I don't get into conversations with people who begin to talk disparagingly about their parents. Because here's what I know. You do that, there are consequences for that. We must listen and do not despise our mother in her old age. So how do you do that? How do you honor your mother and father? There's three stages that a human being goes through. The childhood years, the adolescent years, and the adult years. And there's different ways to continue to honor. I believe that we should continue to honor our parents. Even after they passed, even as we're adults, there are ways to do that. I want my mom and I want my dad and my stepfather to know that their son went to his grave honoring them. Because here's what I know. It impacts my life, which in turn impacts my children's life. It impacts my wife's life. And it impacts their grandchildren and their grandchildren. And I want to set them up to win in the name of Jesus Christ by honoring my parents. Listen, this is critical to do so. So how do you do that? In your childhood years, the the concept of honor means to obey what they say. Honor equals you obey them. If mom says do this, dad says do that, then you do that. You don't say, I don't want to do that. You obey them because the structure and authority in your life are your parents. In the adolescent years, you learn to respect them. You talk well about them. You don't stomp out of the room after they encourage you to do something. You don't call them stupid on social media. When I see that, like, oh, my parents, I can't believe. And I think, oh, someone needs to speak to them and say, that thing will cause this down here. And if you choose not to do that, it will give you life, quality and quantity of life. In our adult years, as grown human beings with children of our own, how can we continue in our adult years? You care for them and show them dignity. You listen to what they say, but you don't have to obey everything they said. They're no longer the authority in your life. You say, thanks, Mom and Dad. I will ask God and the Holy Spirit how I should handle that, but I want you to know I appreciate the input. But God has given me and entrusted me as the parent of my children that I will do this. And if you even look at that Ephesians, to care for them, to honor them, even financially, we should step in. In fact, Timothy, Paul told Timothy, if we don't care for our own, we're worse than an infidel. We're worse than an unbeliever. So instead of getting someone else to care for your parents, you need to step in. That's how you honor your parents. You give them the best quality of life possible that they can have in their older years when they're unable to care for themselves. Why? Because God asks us to. 
Why? Because there's a promise attached to it. Why? Because that's what wisdom says. So that they find joy in you and you find joy in the Lord. Incredible, incredible promise. I watch people all the time and one of the things I ask, tell me about your childhood. Tell me, were you a child that listened to your parents? Were you a child that honored them? Let me know your story. Because it's important to see how that adds up. Take a close look at those who have done this with grace and dignity. It shows up in the quality of life and success they have as adults. I would even say this. Your willingness to listen to your mom and dad could impact your college choices, your health, your success in life, and the chance to rise to the top in your field of influence. Show me kids that have honored their mother and father well and continue as adults. I will show you, literally, I will show you, and I've witnessed it, people who are living long lives and living well. I, I can attest to it. I've done some own fabric or story, studying of my own and looking. You will live well and even affects your health because you're not carrying bitterness inside of you and angst and, 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 and anger. You're giving them over to God, and because of that, it affects your health. You have a better quality of life because of the way you honor your parents. The Bible also tells us that if we honor God, then he honors us. If we despise God, he will disdain us. So there's this beautiful picture in Scripture that when we honor him, he honors us. And the way we honor him is by obeying his word. Tucked in between this, look at verse 22. It says, listen to your father. And then in verse 24, the father of a righteous child has great joy. And then in verse 25, may your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. And tucked in between this bookend is this phrase that says, buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. We should buy the truth. In other words, when you find truth, hold on to it. Do whatever you can when truth is available. Tucked in between these two bookends is this incredible truth that if we hold on to this, it'll keep us on the straight and narrow. How would you define truth? I would define truth this way. That which is consistent with the will, character, and glory, and being of God. I would even say this, truth is the self-expression of God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. It is impossible to make sense of truth without acknowledging God as a necessary starting point. So how do you do that? How do you buy it and not sell it? You surround your people who are willing to tell you the truth. You surround yourself with friends. Wounds can be trusted by a close friend, by a brother. You should surround yourself with someone that says, I need to meet with you. I have to, I've witnessed, witnessed something in your life I'm concerned about. And they meet with you, and then they say this. Do you realize that what you're doing brings a, a, a bad name on the name of Jesus Christ? Do you realize? And so our responsibility, if we have relationship with someone, they've given us that opportunity, is to speak into their life truth even if it means they don't like you after the conversation. I've been guilty of that a few times. But that's okay. 
It's okay to speak truth. If you love someone enough, you will speak truth. How many of you have those kinds of people in your life that come to you and say, listen, I love you too much not to tell you the truth. And then you, if you go and talk to someone, you must begin and end with the truths of God's word. The only place that you'll find absolute truth is right here, not on social media, not on Wikipedia, but on Christ's word. Any amens for that? So when the word confronts you, the word of God is living, it's active, it's able to divide soul and marrow and bone and marrow, and it convicts and it speaks truth. So as someone comes to you carrying the sword of truth, they're bringing it to you. Listen, ask the Holy Spirit that you can receive it well, even if you don't like it. I've had thousands of conversations with people, sat with them. And this voice will come to me. Jim, you realize if you say this, they might not like you very much. Jim, you realize that this is really difficult to say. That voice comes to me. It's the enemy, the father of lies. Because he is. That's who he is. And the voice of the spirit that says, speak truth. Speak truth. Because truth sets you free. Truth is the path that we should be on. And the author Solomon says, Buy the truth and do not sell it. The second you move away from saying, well, I don't believe that. This is what I believe. You might be saying that's what the Bible says, but hey, you know what? This is an old book, and this is what I've been talking to God about, and this is what I believe. When you hear someone say to you, I don't agree with that because I've spent time with God. Let me tell you something. They spent time with the wrong God because if it contradicts the word of God, they've listened to Satan because he's the father of lies. Every one of us needs an accountability partner in our life to speak that truth. I'll say it this way regarding truth. Truth will set you free, but first it will make you very miserable. It does. Like, come on, God. I love her. I love him, and I like this relationship, and I like that we're sleeping together. It just feels good, God. You know, But when truth comes, it's like, oh, they're right, but I don't like that they're right. And you feel miserable because, here, listen, when you feel miserable, that's a good thing. It means the spirit is grieved. It means he's convicting you. Don't shut him down. Don't quench him. Respond to that and repent of that. So it makes you miserable first. Truth can often make you unpopular. Have you ever walked into a conversation and like you're the guy that comes in and says no or you're the gal like no you guys are nuts. And and you get that look like like who do you think you are? Well, truth can make you unpopular too. Truth is heavy to carry. That's why so few pack it in their daily belongings. Jesus came in grace and truth, the word of God tells us. He came in truth and he came in grace. Fully, 100% grace, 100% truth. And somehow our Savior in John 1 tells us when he spoke it, he spoke truth, but he also gave him grace at the same time. And so truth requires you buying it and not selling it to have a hard conversation. Truth requires us to live the way Christ would want us to, even in the workplace. Truth requires us to have a good work ethic. Truth requires us to love our wives and to love others like Christ loved them. Truth requires us to have integrity in the workplace. 
Truth requires us to punch in and record the right number of hours. Truth requires us to do the, the things that we should do and not personal stuff on our own company time. Truth requires us to give a good report of our expense accounts. Truth re- requires us to do more than what we're called to do and not complain about what we are doing. Truth stands us above and outside of others who aren't walking in truth. One little more nugget of of truth before we move on. Solomon says, not only by the truth, but by wisdom and instruction and insight as well. The word insight means to buy this. It means to see between the issues. It means to see an issue and to see between them. Not just what's on top, but underneath and in between and all around. It's taking, looking at a situation and getting advice from both sides and hearing both sides of the story before you conclude a conclusion. It's having someone come to you and say, my wife said this, and the husband, and and, and the wife says, my husband said this. It's seen between issues. We can have that insight when we're walking in the spirit with Christ. It's called discernment. Also, to seek instruction. Instruction is the Hebrew word. If I could visualize it, it's to have a wheel of a ship, being able to steer and direct the ship. It's the idea of a steering wheel, navigating our way through life and doing what God wants us to do. Why? So that we can bring joy to our parents, so that we are honoring our God, and in the end, we can live long and live well. One of the greatest things I want for my kids is for them to be set up to win in the name of Jesus Christ. I want them, and so we've encouraged them along a lot of lines. Honor is important. Respect your elders. God says if you do this, even if you don't want to, that it will set you up. And when your name appears in resume, they will pull that out. When you have an opportunity for promotion, God could promote you. When you have an opportunity to give a voice in a platform, God could use you. Listen to me. We live well when we honor our parents. So teens in this room, if you're wondering why you should obey your parents, listen, it will set you up in the future years to be in a success and give more glory to Jesus Christ. Go talk to a child that's an adult now who didn't listen to the advice of their parents, and here's what they'll tell you. I wish I would have because this part of my life, I spent 7, 8, 10, 15 years wasting my time when I could have been making a difference. But by God's grace, he brings us back and he gives us chance after chance after chance. So make sure you... Seek truth at all costs. Look at the next. Look what it says next. It says, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. For an adulterous woman is a deep pit and a wayward wife is a narrow well. Like a bandit, she lies in wait and multiplies the unfaithful among men. Your eyes control the direction of your heart. What you allow in here and what you allow in through your ears goes to your heart. And so Solomon is saying, get control of your eyes. Listen, get control of your eyes and delight in my ways. Make sure you chase the straight and narrow and not this wayward way of sexual immorality and pornography. And, 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 but live a pure life. Have an appetite for purity. Because out of the overflow of our heart, Proverbs says, our life and our mouth speaks 
The patterns you are forming today will bring life or death to you. It must become muscle memory. I have never met a person who has fallen, who hasn't at one time articulated these words. I'll never do that. That'll never happen to me. You see, just saying that something won't happen doesn't promise that you will play it out. You must have discipline in your life. You must have practice. You must have accountability. You must be saturated in God's word. Every day that you wake up, there must be this direction that you're charting out to stay on track because if you don't, just saying that you won't fall. Corinthians says, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, take heed lest you fall. We, we can fall and every one of us is capable of falling. The minute we think we're not going to fall is when pride sets in and pride leads to destruction. So we must have patterns to keep ourselves pure. If you don't have patterns in your life, to, to, to work at your struggles and the temptations of sexual morality, then you will fall. Look what it says. And it says, if you're chasing wayward women, I would even say women chasing men, it, you'll just become a number that, that she multiplies, another unfaithful man. More than ever, we need men and women of God to stand in purity, stand in righteousness, and stand for the cause of Christ in our world that says, no, Christ followers don't do that. We need more men and women to walk in purity. Any amens for that? We need it. But here's what I know in this room today. Here's what I know in this world today. Here's what I know in the link today. Here's what I know for those of you who are watching on the internet. That 60% of men and 40% of women are, are toiling in some form of pornography. Every week, Christian or non-Christian. And so if that's the case, then we need to have an action plan. We can't just say, oh Lord, I'll stop. You must have an action plan. Or you'll just be one number of many who have been unfaithful. So what are some practical tips? What are some ways that, that we can set into place that help us and keep us from falling? Here's some practical tips that I would give for women. And by the way, the numbers and percentages of pornography for women is growing more rapidly than what it is for men. And it won't be long to women struggle as much as men do. Unless women and unless men who call themselves Christ followers said, no more, not on my watch. And they put an action plan in practice to help them stay on the straight and narrow. Here's some practical tips for women. If you're tempted to find a wayward man, if you're tempted to toil in pornography, rather than eyeballing a handsome man that comes into your sphere of life, avoid the second look and say, thank you, Lord, for that awesome creation. Turn your attention from creation to the creator. Like, there's nothing wrong that there are beautiful women and, and handsome men in the world. They're created by God. And so instead of lingering your thoughts on this creation, turn to the creator and say, God, you create beautiful things, God. Thank you for that. You take your eyes off of that and the temptation, and you turn it to the creator, and you say, thank you, God. When you created man, you said it was good. When you created woman, you said it was good. God, I acknowledge that, and I move on. Meditate on scripture if you're tempted, and replace the thought with the truth from this word. 
Here's a scripture that I repeatedly, repeatedly repeat to myself. And by the way, I speak it out loud. I speak it out loud so that I can be reminded and the devil can be reminded. Because he can't hear my thoughts. And so if you're meditating on scripture, it's good. I would say even there's times, sometimes when I just grab the Bible and not only do I read it and meditate, I speak it out loud and I remind Satan of who he is because if I'm just reading it and internalizing it, it's good for me. That's a plus because it saturates my heart. But when I speak it out loud, guess what? He flees with it. So replace that thought with the scripture. So I often replace that temptation with this truth from Revelation 3.21. To him or her that overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. I think, is it worth giving up that seat for that? Is it worth giving up the right to overcome and be known as an overcomer in the, the kingdom of heaven? Is it right? Or for, for me, isn't it better to sit there than to die here? Come up with your verse. And so I speak that. Temptation comes. By the way, temptation is not a sin. Don't beat yourself up for temptations. Don't say, oh, I wish. I, this, I keep, keep having this temptation. I'm a horrible person. No, you're not. You're being attacked. Just cut off that temptation with the truth. Another tip I would give you, women. Sing a worship song in your mind or out loud that turn your thoughts away. Take that smartphone that's been really dumb and make it smart and play a worship song and sing it out loud. It's amazing what can happen. It's impossible to be singing the the words of Jesus Christ and lifting him up to want to squander down here in this filth. Begin singing out loud. Just sing a tune, whatever it is. Proclaim it out loud because we heard last week when we praise God, praise pushes the enemy away and the temptation with it. Another thing I would encourage you as wives and women, to pray for his wife. And if he doesn't have a wife, pray for his future wife. Because the minute you turn the conversation of temptation to God, it pulls you away from that temptation that wants to drag you down. I would also say this, just simply do the next thing that you were intended to do. You see someone and you know you're tempted, just go on about your business. Don't look again and think, I came to do this, I didn't come to do that. Just go to the next thing. That's integrity. Do your job. The next thing I would encourage you to do is to fill your own husband up and love him like you've never loved him before. Just pour into his love language. Just continue to love and 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 love. I will guarantee you begin to love your husband. There will be love like you've never experienced before. And you won't even want to sit in the arms of another man. Ask for forgiveness and move on if there's been sin in your life. Don't linger there. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Keep repeating that. Tell Satan to take a hike and say, I've been forgiven, I'm moving on. You can stay there, but I'm not. For practical tips for men, do all those things above too. Bounce your eyes. Don't linger there. Pray on the armor of God. Encourage women to do that too. Did you do it this morning? Yeah, it's a good thing, Pastor Jim. I got dressed physically, and by the way, you even thought, I'm gonna wear a green shirt. Did you think about putting on the armor of God? Like, we are spirit. 
spirit beings, with the spirit God, with the spirit enemy, and we have a spirit world, and the best protection in that spirit world is spirit armor. Like, you've heard me say this, but sometimes we walk to the battle zone in a speedo. We think, boy, I'm ready for the battle. Get dressed. Get dressed. I'm glad you get dressed physically. Get dressed spiritually, too. Pray, lead me not into temptation. It's a regular discipline I have in my life. This morning, you know what I did? I prayed the armor of God. I got that time and soaked in God's word. I prayed for individuals, prayed for my marriage, prayed for the church, prayed for my family, prayed for other things. And then I prayed this, Lord, you tell us in your word, Jesus, when you taught on on, on prayer, you said this, that you, we could pray, lead me not into t- temptation and deliver me from the evil one. Listen, if we can pray to not be tempted, then why wouldn't we pray that prayer? Seriously, why wouldn't you pray that prayer? Like, I get weary. Don't you ever get weary sometimes with the darts that the enemy sends his way? Sometimes I'm just worn out. Just take, I'm taking the shield of faith. <laughs> taking the sword of the spirit. <laughs> the helmet of salvation. <laughs> it's like all day long, I'm just like, I feel, I'm weary. But if I can pray and the temptations won't come, and you know what I've done? I've even said, Lord, if people aren't praying that prayer, give me theirs too. See, God has set up these practices, disciplines. Wisdom says use them. You need something else? Picture your kids and your wife having to hear you say you've fallen. Just, just visually. Set them around the table. You're walking in the room. And you get to sit down. They got smiles on their faces. And your wife is your little lamb. David and Nathan's conversation. Nathan says she's like a lamb that you're supposed to care for and hold on your arm. She's a precious vessel. And you sit down. Picture you looking at your wife and saying, I'm sorry. Picture you looking at your kids who look up to you. Picture you looking at your husband and saying, I'm sorry. If that doesn't halt you in your tracks, then you need to get on your knees and say, God, break my heart because it's calloused and full of sin. Sin is crouching at the door, the Bible tells us. We'll be tripped up. We'll just become another number. In the list of unfaithful and unfaithful men and women, if we don't set practices and disciplines in place, you will find yourselves doing things that you said you would never do. Where is God speaking to you right now where you need to set up some boundaries? Where are you bringing God's name and denouncing his name by your patterns and decisions you're making in the area of morality and sexual purity. Are you guilty? Jesus says, come to me and confess, and I will forgive and extend you grace, and I will choose to not remember this as far as the east is from the west. Now move on and don't do it again. The Bible also tells us that we have an enemy The devil, and it tells us to be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a lion, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Listen to me, I'm going to tell you something. He's like a lion because he isn't the lion. The only lion that is the real lion is the lion from the tribe of Judah named Jesus Christ. Satan is a copycat. He's a stuffed 
animal trying to be a real lion. And the Bible tells us that the real lion lives in those who call themselves Christ followers. And then the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 1, but the righteous are as bold as a lion, not in their own strength. And so when the copycat comes and he tries to devour you as as a lion, trying to pretend to be a lion, you just speak in Jesus' name and that little kitty cat runs away. That's what the Bible says. We have authority in Jesus' name. Lions are supposed to be bold, daring, brave, courageous, valiant, fearless, dauntless. We're supposed to push the enemy away who masquerades himself like a lion. But we are the children from the lion of the tribe of Judah. See, sometimes we just need to talk to ourselves instead of listen to ourselves. Look what it says next. Look at the next passage. Saying, number 19, who has woe? Six questions. Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has knees with bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Like, when I see that, I don't want any of that, do you? Like, he's saying, who has all these things? Well, here's the person that does. The one who lingers over wine, who goes to sample bowls of mixed wine. Do not gaze at wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake. It poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights. Your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. And when I wake up, so I can find another drink. Six questions, and it's the third time in 19 saints. Listen to me, please, Grace Community Church, listen to me. Three times already in 19 sayings, God himself is reminding us of the dangers of excessive alcohol use and of drunkenness. Listen, it took him three times. He's saying, be careful. Make sure you make wise decisions with alcohol. Otherwise, it will destroy your life. This is the longest and most articulate writing in the book of Proverbs on drunkenness. Look what it does. It bites, it poisons your mind will see strange things. You'll be wandering on a ship in places you shouldn't end up. you end up with bruises from fighting and falling. And then you'll look for another drink to numb all your problems. Like, sign me up for that, huh? Like, when I look at that, it's like, I don't want anything to do with that. Why would I even want anything to do with that as a Christ follower? You've heard me say already, and I don't need to repeat my view on this. But I ask you to make wise decisions. And you heard me say why I choose not to drink. It's a wisdom issue for me. But listen to me. Those of you who do, listen, be wise with it because drinking is not sin. Drunkenness is. But be very careful. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, if your arm causes you to stumble and your hand causes you to stumble and your eye causes you to stumble, cut it off, gorge it out, get rid of it. So if something in your life is causing you to fall, cut it off. Get rid of it, or you'll end up like this. It might mean friendships. It might be places that you visit. It might be patterns in your life. You must cut it off or you will fall. So you might say, well, Pastor Jim, there's some benefits of drinking. You might say, it helps me overcome my problems. I have fun when I drink. It's my way of relaxing and unwinding from a stressful day. Well, here's the benefits of not drinking. 
My relationships would probably improve. I'd feel better mentally and physically. I'd have more time and energy for the people and activities I care about. That's a good trade-off, isn't it? Or drunkenness might lead to this, the cost of drinking too much. It has caused problems in my relationship. I feel depressed, anxious, and ashamed of myself. It gets in the way of my job performance and family responsibility. Here's the cost of not drinking too much. I'd have to find another way to deal with my problems. Maybe Jesus Christ. I'd lose my drinking buddies. Well, if your buddies are causing you to fall, you're being tempted. You know what the Word of God says? Cut it off. Cut it off. Cut it off. Cut it off. Because if you fall and disgrace the name of Christ, then Christ's name is disgraced. Can I get one amen for that? See, we don't think about that. Cost of not drinking. I would have to face the responsibilities that I've been ignoring. In this case, he didn't face the responsibilities. He just said, give me another drink. Let me numb it. If you want help, avoid the things that trigger your urge to drink. Listen to me. I'm telling you, listen to me. It's often people. It's places you hang out. And if you keep going to the same place and expecting a different result, that's called insanity. Well, I'm going to go here tonight. I'm better now. I'm stronger now. And if you think that somehow if you spend time with these people and the very same people that you spend time with and the very same places that you spend time at, if you think that somehow you're going to be stronger today than you were yesterday, guess what? You will fall. It might cost you some friendships. But if it costs you a friendship to to stand for Jesus Christ when no one else is willing to stand, then do it. Amen? Amen? See, this is hard, though. But I like her, and I like him, and I like them. I like my brother-in-law a lot. We like hanging out, and we like watching football together. But when we watch football, we drink too much. Well, maybe you watch football with someone else. Practice saying no to alcohol in social situations if you struggle. Talk to someone you trust and get accountability. Remind yourself of all the reasons for not drinking. Repent, replace that idol with Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you end up staggering. Otherwise, you end up being bit. Otherwise, you end up with strange illusions in your mind. Otherwise, you end up way below your redeemed potential that Christ wants you to live. Look at the last saying here. Chapter 24, look at verse 1 and 2. Do not envy the wicked. Do not desire their company, for their hearts plot violence, and their lips talk about making trouble. So I'm a pretty simple guy. And so when I look at chapter 24, and I look at the first verse, it says, do not envy the wicked. Do not desire their company. I ask myself, Jim, what part of do not do you not understand? Like, seriously, it's not rocket. Like, how much explanation do we need on this? Hey, let's, let's see what the Hebrew says about this. In the Hebrew, do not means do not. And the Hebrew do not again means do not. There's no form of do not that we do not. It's pretty simple. Do not envy the wicked. Do not desire or lust after their company or their possessions. Because envy leads to regret. See, the enemy comes after us throwing darts that say, Boy, if you were part of that group, if you knew them, We have people buying themselves into groups just so they can say, I'm part of that group. 
Our house and your house does too, but through the years we have gotten so many of these goofy mailings that says, you can be part of the who's who from New York. Like, and they send it to you like, you can be part of who's who. So you look at it, they send, if you send $750 million, you can be part of who's who. Like, this stuff is ridiculous. I mean, seriously. Like, so you send in the 50 or $100, whatever it is, $200, so that you can have your name, and they send you back this book that just has names in it. Who's who? <laughs> and there you are. Like, and, so you look, and so you bring your wife in, your kids in, and you say, look, there's my name. And your kids say, yeah, I know your name, Dad. Like, but it's in the book. Well, guess what? It's in a book called The Lamb's Book of Life. It's much more important that you just bought to be in. And it didn't even cost you anything. Christ bought it for you. Listen, you don't need to be part of who's who's. You're already part of the who's who's. You're a child of the living God, and your DNA is Jesus Christ, and you've got the inheritance of the King of kings and lords of lords, and your future is solid in Christ alone, and you have an eternity, and you have a mansion in heaven waiting for you. And guess what? That beats anything the world has to offer. So sometimes we just need to talk to ourselves that we're part a child of the living God. The reason you crave these things is because you have believed a lie from the enemy. An envious person is a critical person. Some of you keep asking for more, like somehow more is going to make you feel better about yourself when you don't even appreciate what you already have. Like, I hear those conversations a lot. Boy, I don't like my job. And God said, if I'm faithful in little, then I'll be, get, be faithful in much. And I say, are you faithful in the joy that you're finding in the place that Christ has you in now? Are you faithful in loving the ones that you're with? Like somehow you think, boy, if I can move from this spot, if I can get out of the factory and I can wear one of those white collars and I can, can be over them, that somehow when I get up here, that I'll love them more than I did when I was down there. And Jesus is saying, why would I give you that if you don't already love them there, maybe we need to adjust our attitudes and say, Lord, help me to have faithfulness here, Lord. Help me to have a good attitude. But some of us will say, oh, I wish I could get rid of this. I wish I didn't have to do this job and that job. Then I would like my job better. And if I could get rid of all that, then I'll do everything I want. Well, where's that in Scripture? It says, give everything you got to the Lord. Somehow we think, if I get that house, oh, if I just had that house, like, and you walk in your kitchen, you watch HGTV all week long, and you're looking at your, your, your Formica countertops, and you're like, boy, I just want, boy, if I could just have, like, look at that countertop I saw on TV. Oh, if I could have that, I would feel so much better, God, and you know it, just give it to me. And so you think by somehow going out there and getting this marble countertop, listen, God is saying, if you can't find joy in that, why would you find joy in that? Boy, some of us need a real check in this area. Oh, Lord, give me that job. I, I see it in ministry a lot. Oh, I wish I had that position. Oh, if I had that position, I'd be so much better off. If you can't love the position that you're in, if you can't find joy serving people where you're at, how do you think serving there is going to be any better? Come on, one amen, one amen. See, this isn't rocket science. Maybe you need to ask God to renew your joy. Envy is the art of counting another man's blessing instead of your own. Literally, to envy is to shoot yourself repeatedly over and over and over again. 
So what do we do with this? Like, like over the last five weeks, we've been looking at some incredible practical wisdom. Some of the best instruction, I would say, in the Bible. It's all packaged together. We're looking at how to raise our kids. We're looking at gluttony. We're looking at loving our neighbors. We're looking at marriage. Looking at how to treat others. We're, today we're looking at how, not, how not to envy, how to honor our mothers and fathers. And probably some of us have fallen short. And maybe over these past weeks you've been convicted by the Holy Spirit. And you want to live differently. And maybe right now you're realizing there's an area in your life that you're falling short in. And you know it. Let me tell you something. Until you deal with that. Until you deal with it. Until you give it over to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and you ask God to take this, you will never live to your redeemed potential. Until you buy truth and not sell it for anything, you will never experience the favor of God. Never. Never. So what do we do with that? I think we ask ourselves this question. Lord, Holy Spirit, is there an area in my life that I need to address? Would you show me right now? Because here's what I know. When we see that area, we need grace. (laughs) We need God's grace. Here's what I know about our Savior. It's his loving kindness and his mercy that leads us to repentance. And so we don't have a God that says, oh, there you are, bam, bam, bam. We have a God that says, you come, I'll extend grace. No matter what, No matter where you've been, no matter where you find yourself right now, I promise you, Jesus said, if you confess, I'll forgive. And not only will I forgive, but I will give you grace. Maybe that's all you need right now. Maybe that's the decision you need to make right now. It's just to come and surrender this thing that you're holding on to. You know what it is. You've been thinking about it over the last four weeks. And maybe this is the day that you just encounter this God of grace. In fact, there's a song written that we're going to hear. And it says this, ashamed what I've done, what I've become. These hands are dirty. I dare not lift them up to the Holy One. You plead my case. You right my wrongs. You break my chains. You overcome. You gave your life to give me mine. You say that I am free. How can it be? How can it be? It's humbly coming and saying, Lord, I need your grace. I want to finish my life well. I want to lead my family well. I want to love you well. I want to make disciples. I surrender. So we're going to give you a chance. And as our worship teams come, I'm going to ask you to stand in both venues. See, here's the point in the service where the Spirit has been working and let me tell you, I've been around the block a few times, and I know. Right now, the enemy is saying, don't go. Don't surrender that. What will people think? What will my husband think? And here's what, here's what happens. The enemy wants you to think, well, they'll think the worst. They'll think that you're an axe murderer. Or they'll think this, or they'll think that. You know what the body of Christ will be thinking? Praise the Lord. And many will be saying, that should be me. So here it is. This is the moment. This is the moment where everything could change, where you could add grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, and you could become the person that Christ intended you to be. So as 
we sing this song, I'm going to ask you to do what most of you aren't willing to, to walk through your pride and say, Lord, I'm coming forth and I'm surrendering this to you. I need your grace. So come as we sing in both venues.